Hello and welcome to Business Unmuted, a business discussion live on LinkedIn and shared on platforms including YouTube, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. As ever, we're kindly sponsored by Virtue BMW, which is part of Gateshead-based Virtue Motors PLC. If you're in the market for a new used or fleet vehicle, its dealerships are in Stockton, Durham, Sunderland, Moulton or York. In a very busy business week, why has the government started to subsidise a fertiliser plant in the northeast? And what's the connection to your Sunday roast? House prices continue to rise. What does this mean for supply and demand? And will prices cool down anytime soon? And what does the economy mean for risk takers and entrepreneurs who are building businesses? We're joined by a man who received a CBE in recognition of his services to entrepreneurship in the northeastern Cumbria. But let's start by a look at recent newspaper headlines in the northeastern Yorkshire. Now, this is the Northern Echo. This, this story here is about a big collapse of Cleveland Bridge, the engineering uh, business. This story is about the BBC facing pressure to refund licence fees as the transmitter mast owned by Arkiva in Billsdale uh, went and failed. Then we've got the Dorman Tower on the old British Steelworks site uh, at Teesside being knocked down, a very controversial decision, the one I was involved in and strongly support, by the way. Uh, and then two interesting headlines. Hundreds of jobs at risks at the CF Industries fertiliser plant in Teesside. And then today, Wednesday, energy firms rescue agreed. And that's the story we're going to start with. I'm joined on the line today by Nigel Mills, CBE. I'm joined in the studio by Martin Williamson's, uh, Williamson, a lawyer from Latimer Hinks Solicitors, to talk about property. But first, this fertiliser story, Mike Hughes is business editor of the Northern Echo. Mike, you're on this story and all these headlines show that your paper is on a lot of stories at the moment. You're red hot. Let's talk about this one, though. It's in, a fascinating time in the region, Graham. It is. In layman's terms, what's this about? Why is my Sunday roast threatened by a fertiliser plant? Well, in many ways, it's a complex story, but it's also fairly straightforward in some of its aspects. So CF, an enormous uh, multinational company, pr principally based in Illinois, have two fertiliser plants. Our key one we're involved with is in Billingham. And they produce fertiliser, and as a byproduct, they produce carbon dioxide. And so much so that the two plants, this one and the one in Cheshire, produce 60% of the carbon dioxide in the UK, which is used for protecting food in, in wrappers in supermarkets. And it's also, in a slightly more unpleasant way, used in agriculture for euthanizing pigs and the like. So it's all involved in our food chain. And we, we had talked to this company some while ago about problems they had about the price of the gas they were having to use. They tap into a small part of the national network. So they're protected from paying the full cost by a deal. But that deal was threatened. There was a certain row going on. They got a, a deal out of it, but they still have to pay an enormous amount more for the gas. Now the gas becomes even more rare in supply and they announced they would have to close their factories. Therefore, no fertilizer for the farmers and no byproduct of CO2 for the rest of the market. That was deemed just too important by the government. And they've decided that they will, for three weeks, effectively pay the startup costs of restarting the factory at Billingham. Now, now that's great news for the workers, 190 workers. That, that's, you mustn't be forgotten. These are, these are key workers in the region. It secures the CO2 supply 
but which will still be very tight supply. And I imagine the price will go through the roof for that which is available. So still a threat to supermarket goods and your Sunday roast grain. Mm. But also, of course, the, the wider problem it presents now is the government has bailed out a company that it deems to be absolutely key to the economy. Where does that go next? When does the next argument come to the government? Well, okay, you've done it this time. The precedent has been set. How do you judge which company is that important that it needs a government bailout? Fascinating story, all starting from a gas row about one plant in Billingham. Absolutely, and it's on national television news uh, this week um, and a lot of coverage for it. Nevertheless, it also goes to the issue of the cost of energy and the climate uh, change debate, which is all about energy because we're trying to get, uh, particularly in the Northeast, uh, feedstock for renewable energy. And uh, that isn't yet complete. We haven't got the Dogger Bank on stream and a lot of new technologies, hydrogen and so on, are in the pipeline. And we're in this sort of switchover, aren't we, uh, when it comes to energy? Yeah, as you know, that the region is, is perfectly placed for the future of energy. So much of the, the national conversation, the international conversation, is based around the potential on Teesside for the hydrogen, the carbon capture and storage, a lot of projects here. We can't be, that, that can't happen immediately. It's an enormous rolling project. What this incident has done with CF now is it's certainly focused the attention. A lot of people are saying, this is why we need this diversification of energy supplies. One American company is controlling 60% of the CO2 that we need in various places, and it is affected by an energy problem. Mm. That sort of that doesn't that balance doesn't seem right. So I, the, the faster we can move, the more the investment can come in, the more the focus is on Teesside, we can get things set up. The whole British economy becomes more balanced, it becomes more self-reliant, which is a, a vital thing. We've also had 20 or 30 years of globalization. And perhaps in this period of uh, post-pandemic uh, situation, the supply chains and the sovereign capability of our country are being stretched and challenged. You know, we've had on this program the guy who produces e-back washing machines. Uh, that's not the same as the CO2 that we're talking about. But uh, until he set up a washing machine plant, you couldn't buy a washing machine in Britain. Uh, we've had uh, shortages of semiconductors, shortages of face masks for hospitals, now shortages of CO2. So th the whole issue of British sovereign capability is on the agenda, isn't it? Yeah, we, we must never lose sight of the fact that the changes that are going to happen around here, around the North East and on Teesside, are fundamental to, to the future of the country. This, isn't, this is a matter of us being able to supply our own uh, skills that we need to supply these these energy needs but also just as you say becoming so self-reliant that we can sell to the world the the skills that we knew we always knew they were here great we've seen them in various sectors and now they're they're focused in these new energy sectors the, the, these skills are here the plants will soon be here the production will soon be here that as you say will make us self-reliant will make us much less susceptible to instance to the the, the energy crisis we find at the moment but will also enable us to export skills, energy, uh, just make a major impact on a, on a very wide area. It's, it's a long game and we have to be in a position where we can play the short game on certain items and get impact now and immediately. But we have to 
be safe and secure enough to play the long game as well and know that we have a sustainable future for generations of people. Mike, I just say this because, because you have to go in a minute because I know you're preparing the paper for tomorrow. But these newspapers I've just picked up, they're only sort of 10 days worth of newspapers. Your, your paper does seem to be uh, at the forefront of breaking stories at the moment. Um, is it just because there's lots of stories about or is it because you've got lots of sources and you're ready to, ready to print? What, what's, what's, what's happening? Why, why is it so lively? I mean, I'm new. The, the team here is extraordinarily experienced. I've only been here, what, what, three months in my role. But they have the contacts. This is truly regional journalism, and that's the value of regional journalism. We can have the national news outlets covering stories, but the people that we know on the ground, the people we can pick the phone up to and say, can you explain this to me? What are the angles? Can you talk to me about this? We get that sort of interface. And that's why regional journalism will always be better and always give a better insight on these sorts of subjects. Anyone can write the overall headlines, but when you need to get down to it and understand the importance of it to our readers, that's what papers like the Northern Echo do. And I absolutely take my hat off to the, the team who have been doing this here for an awful lot longer than I have. It is interesting. I just, to anything. I'll just give this general comment because we, my firm is in PR and so on. Both the Northern Echo, the Gazette, the Journal, the Yorkshire Post, they are actually recruiting more journalists. It's a bit counterintuitive with newspaper industry supposedly on the wane. It's not. There seem to be more local journalists being recruited at the moment. Yeah, we, we found it particularly during the pandemic. The trust that people have with their local news outlets is enormous. They turn to them. They presume that they know and that they've got the right information. Therefore, as you say, extraordinarily, we're recruiting more and more people just to keep, to feed that growing audience. Mike, I'm going to let you go, turn to something else, come back on this programme in a few weeks. It'd be great to have you. Now, let's, Thanks for having me, Graham. Let, let's move on um, and we'll move on to property and entrepreneurship. Our second guests are Nigel Mills, CBE, and Martin Williamson. Martinson is, Martin is a property lawyer in Darlington who handles hundreds of transactions a year. In his regular Property Shots video, he visits the areas with the most interesting locations and the fastest rising prices. Here he is in Richmond in North Yorkshire earlier this week, having a look around. Now, I would think that all this popularity and uh, properties, people competing to get properties as soon as they come on the market, it means you've got some pretty empty shelves. Uh, we do at the moment, and it's ac across the board with all of our offices. Um, there's not a huge amount of properties coming on the market. There are people who we're seeing every day who want to move house, but they're reluctant to put their house on the market until they can see the next one that they want to move to. You could see the VT there of uh, North Yorkshire. Uh, earlier this week when you were, you were filming Martin and we also got Nigel Mills, CBE. Nigel, we'll come to you in a minute because I want to talk about entrepreneurship with you and might link in. Martin first, you're handling a lot of property transactions. Sure. Stamp duty changes at the end of this month. Absolutely. In, next week, I suppose you're very busy. Absolutely. How yep. many transactions have you got in fact, I, at the I, moment? I have to go. You have to go, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I've, I've got about 200 active matters. Obviously, there's not that many going to complete before the end of, before the, end of the month. Uh, but throughout the firm, maybe um, up to 100 that we're trying to get, trying to get over the line. Fantastic. Uh, it does save quite a lot of money, this transaction, uh, Absolutely. this stamp duty. If yep. you were moving house to, say, I don't know, a 200 or 300,000 pound house, mm. getting it across the line, £2,500, £3,000, something like that. Typical sort of saving. It makes a heck of a difference. It's a family holiday, isn't yeah, it? Absolutely. That, 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 it's a serious yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, it's a make or date break for the whole transaction for some people. Mm, yeah. Right. So uh, here's the big question. 
Will the property market, in your view, cool down after this stamp duty holiday is ended? Well, it's not going to be across the board. We're going to see different impacts in different areas. Uh, the VT was of uh, Richmond yesterday. Richmond, as well, a Telegraph article uh, a few days ago, saying that Richmond was actually not only a local property hotspot, but the, the national property hotspot. And that's because, of course, there's national money heading in that direction. Rural Yorkshire Dales, uh, huge amount of demand. And I don't see that going away because of the, the end of the stamp duty holiday. Uh, that's all about aspiration, move to rural location. Uh, we've seen the shift to rural property purchases uh, during the pandemic. People want to be remote working remotely. They can do that. Uh, and that's, that's the direction a lot of people are going. Perhaps there's going to be more of an impact in more urban areas where the properties are perhaps a little bit less desirable. Um, and, uh, you know, if the sudden saving in stamp duty disappears, then we might find a little bit little bit of a you know cooling down in the market in rural areas but other areas of the market now I don't see it at all I see things staying buoyant even if you are buying a fixer-upper in an urban center you're gonna have trouble getting contractors in aren't you because they, they, there's just hardly that's, anyone around that's to do very it. true yeah uh, you're gonna to have to wait a year or more before you'll get somebody to come and do your do your work well Nigel Mills sort of foresaw that because he's been doing some investment let's talk about your business first Nigel uh, we know each other very well former chairman of the entrepreneurs forum it was great pleasure working with you on that but you also founded the lakes distillery just give everyone a quick reminder of what the lakes distillery is yeah it's an English single malt whiskey distillery based uh, at the top of Bath and Sweet Lake by Isaac. Uh, the business was founded in September 2011 we started to distill 2014 and we currently have about 1.8 million bottles of single malt whiskey maturing in cask in the lake district so it's a great project we also distill gin and vodka which are much easier to take to market you can do that within a few days rather than whiskey which has to lie in the cask for at least three years before it's legally called whiskey and if you want to create a really um, quality whiskey you need a several more years after that now, we were just talking about property with Martin. You sort of foresaw it uh, because you did some serious investment while there was, uh, the pandemic was at its height and the, uh, people were looking for work, didn't you? Yeah, we were lucky that we were continued to able to distill throughout the pandemic. Um, we also uh, managed to go on with our investment programme, which would triple the amount of single malt whiskey new make spirit we could make each year. So we're moving from... 400,000 bottles a year to 1.2 million uh, effectively now. Now, if we hadn't gone ahead with that investment and the decision was made around about June, July 2019, first of all, um, we wouldn't be where we are today. And secondly, the cost of that investment because of what's happened with the price of steel and, and other raw materials will be probably at least 50% more, mm. which is about 1.6 million pounds, of which we don't have the, don't have the cash. So we were fortuitous that we had the money. We were fortuitous that we had the courage to carry on um, in a really positive position uh, in, in autumn 2021 when the markets are starting to reopen both in the UK and around the world. And we're able to find uh, consumers for our malt whiskey as well as our white spirits. And by the way, this whiskey, I'm not a particular whiskey drinker, but I do follow Nigel. And I think it was a couple of years ago we were working together and you got one of the, the, the highest prices for a, a specialist bottle of whiskey, didn't you, at auction? It was a tremendous achievement. 
2018, we bottled 101 bottles to commemorate the fact that we had spirit that was three years and a day old. Uh, we put it onto an auction site, all 101 bottles. Number one broke the world record. It was £7,900 somebody paid. <laughs> and it's the most, the highest it's ever been paid for a single malt, uh, for the first single malt from a new distillery. So that record sadly has been since beaten, but it still was a great day and a great record to have. Unfortunately, not all of uh, his whiskies are that expensive. I just tell you, <laughs> tell you that, that, that uh, uh, Martin. All right, so let's just pick up on the general economy and how it affects business entrepreneurship. Um, first of all, Martin, on prices of houses mm. and so on, that's inflationary. Uh, inflation has gone up this, this week. How do you see all that inflation feeding into the general business economy? Well, I th I th the general business economy, um, I think, uh, I, I don't think there's any reason for anybody to be too doom laden about all of this. Um, I think that the crucial thing is job security. Um, and we had predictions of mass unemployment at mm. the end of, uh, as the pandemic came to the end, furlough came to an end, Brexit, all the rest of it. That just does not seem to be happening, touch wood. Mm. Um, and I think as long as there's job security, the property market stands a good chance of staying buoyant. Uh, and there's optimism and uh, there's no reason for people to fear the worst. Boris, in a quite a good turn of phrase this week, talked about the economy and the general issues that we're facing, uh, like the fertiliser plant issue we talked about at the beginning, uh, being like everyone watching a TV show and then rushing out at the end of it to put sure, the kettle on. Yeah. And, and as a result, you had log jams in the system. Uh, Nigel, do you think it's as simple as that or are there some structural problems? Um, well, I think what you're seeing is the impact of Brexit, and the pandemic and the fact that it's not just the UK, it's the whole world. So in terms of labor, I think government are quoting there's 1.8 million workers have left the UK since 2016 uh, because of Brexit and then because of the pandemic. So what you have are actually fewer people um, available for work or have the necessary skills. Also put a cap on the ability to bring workers in from abroad. I think it's 30,000 pounds that the salary has to be. And that's caused changes in the hospitality sector and also in um, the farm sector where they, where, they, where they bring in workers from abroad to harvest the crops. So that's a huge problem. Uh, you also, the fact that people have been locked down and, and the furlough scheme is fantastic in terms of uh, businesses being able to support employees during that period, but there, been, there seems to have been a fundamental shift in people towards the sort of work-life balance. And there is a, a, a bigger attitude that actually, I don't necessarily want to work or I don't want to work in that sector anymore. So they're changing sectors. So there's lots of things going on. And what that's doing is pushing up wages. And yes, I think there's money to spend. And I think there's a lot of optimism so, out there, but it is causing huge problems for businesses. And would you do anything about it? Uh, my own point of view is I think probably the Bank of England has missed the beat on interest rates, but it does have to revisit them soon because we can't have inflation eroding people's uh, uh, savings at this rate and, and consistently giving expectations for pay rises. We won't be able to sort it if we don't deal with it soon. Um, I, think, I think inflation hopefully is a temporary um, problem. We just have... But it's interesting, you've got... Um, sorry. We just had an interruption. Finish your answer, sorry. Sorry, I, I think, I mean, I think the consensus is that inflation at the moment is a temporary lift. 
uh, when the supply chain starts to come together over the next 12, 18 months, you should start to see that fade. Once that sort of surge in demand damp dampens down, uh, that should also help. Um, but um, businesses are concerned at the moment. Uh, the last thing we need is for the government to put more pressure on our cost base by increasing interest rates. Uh, I just think everybody's got to weather the storm and get through it, see whether the inflation is uh, you know, embedded in the system or is just a temporary measure. A very orthodox answer there, Nigel. Doesn't mean it's wrong. What do you think? I think very much the same, actually. You agree? I think hold steady. That's two uh, against one here, I, by I, the way, I, folks. I, I two against there's, one. There's a lot of, there's a lot of rebalancing going to happen. The, 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 the pandemic has stopped a lot of the post-Brexit rebalancing mm. Mm. from happening properly. So uh, uncertain times and everybody's got to hold their nerve. Yeah, hold your nerve. Well, I think that's the message from both of you. I'm grateful for you both coming on. Nigel, I'm looking forward to getting over to the Lake District again, because as well as this uh, uh, whiskey and gin that you're selling, you have a fantastic restaurant visitor centre. Is that all open again? Yeah, that's open, um, which is fantastic. The Lake District's been incredibly busy this summer with all the staycations. Uh, we've benefited from that. The one, one thing that has hurt us is... Um, Pandemic yeah. with our staff having to sort of step down or isolate uh, before before the middle of July, and then sadly we've also got members of staff that have uh, contracted COVID and they've obviously had to isolate. But we're very grateful, local authorities. We've adopted all the uh, COVID measures. It's a safe place to visit, and most of our people have uh, have all been infected to date. And long may that continue. Well, Nigel, it's great for you to join us. I appreciate your time. Also, Martin, thank you very much. I'll let you get back to signing off those uh, <laughs> those uh, conveyances because you've got to get them across the line by Absolutely. next Thursday. Yeah. So best of luck to you. Another business muted episode Friday, uh, next Wednesday at five o'clock.